Would you open your Bibles, please? To Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. I began to teach you about understanding the Great Commission. And in our first two studies, we really began to get into some things that are very simple, very basic, but very easily forgotten with what I would call Christian talking points in the world today. Jesus was very interested that our evangelistic work was fruitful. So he teaches us this beautiful parable of the sower and the seeds. The first one we've already studied in detail. We learned that there are people that you just waste the seed on. You, you waste your preaching of the, the gospel seed. We are born again, 1 Peter 1, 23, by the planting of the incorruptible seed of the word in our hearts when we receive the gospel. But there, there are times when our efforts are just completely wasted because people don't understand. And we saw that that word understand means to, to unite together. And we saw that the reason people cannot unite the gospel together with their heart and, and the gospel seed begin to grow is because it's seed sown in the path. There's too much activity. There's too much busyness taking place. And the seed just gets trampled. And we talked about other things such as uh, strongholds of the mind and a veiled mind stopping people from understanding. So we, we learned that the solution of that is very simple. People must believe before we share the gospel. They must believe in Jesus. We must teach people who Jesus is before we start talking about what Jesus has done. Because what he has done is irrelevant until they believe in who he is. Everybody say, start my sharing with who Jesus is. Proclaim who Jesus is. Let them put their faith in him. Let them believe in him and then begin to share the gospel about what he has done for them. That's when it takes on significance. Now, I want to pick up from there in Matthew chapter 13. How to retain a new believer. And I'm going to show you that many, many new believers fall away very, very quickly. Jesus would never teach the false doctrine of once saved, always saved. I know it's a very popular theology today among some groups of people. And basically it simply says, if you ever come to an altar and give your life to Jesus, then you're guaranteed heaven and it doesn't matter how you live. But that's not true. These people have a tremendous revelation of grace. They have a tremendous revelation of justification by faith, but they have an almost zero revelation of sanctification. Everybody say sanctification. And what happens when you get around the once saved, always saved people is that they develop a cultural Christianity in which human relationships are far more important than walks with God. There is no talk about holiness there's no talk about righteous living. There's no talk about living a life that is pleasing to God because it's irrelevant. Once saved, always saved. And they've forgotten that grace is a teacher. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, grace teaches us to renounce all ungodliness. Everybody say, grace is a teacher. Grace doesn't mean that you can live however you want and think you're going to make it to heaven. Grace teaches us 
to live a righteous life. And everybody said? And everybody said? So Jesus would not teach once saved, always saved. Jesus, in fact, teaches us that there are many new believers who fall away from their faith in Jesus Christ very quickly. And he teaches us in this parable how to deal with that and how to help that. You see, we have to understand that when we are out in the harvest field of God, there's also the sons of Satan, Jesus teaches us in the parable of the wheat and the tares, competing against us. We have to understand that wherever we go and share the gospel, the kingdom of darkness does not just sit back and let us do whatever we want unchallenged. There is always a satanic counterattack against the advancement of the kingdom. Everybody say, satanic counterattack. When you begin to go in and share the gospel, when we set up a go truck crusade in your community, when you're doing street evangelism in a community and people are getting born again, when members of your family are getting born again as you share a harvest visit or a harvest connect group, when this work of evangelism is going on, you, you cannot think that the kingdom of darkness just sits back and, you know, you can do whatever you want and there's no challenge. You must understand, and Jesus teaches us here from the very beginning of this parable, that there is always a satanic counterattack. In the first one, we saw that because the seed is not united with a person's heart, Satan quickly comes and steals away the word in their heart. Now, in the second part of the parable, we see that Satan counterattacks again. Matthew 13, beginning with verse 5. Other seeds fell on the rocky soil where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Now Jesus explains the parable. Verse 20 and 21. As for that which was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Mark 4, verses 5 and 6. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, said it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Verse 16 and 17. And these are the ones sown on the rocky soil, the one who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. And then when tribulation or persecutions arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. The same passage in Luke, Luke 8, verse 6. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Verse 13. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in the time of testing, fall away. What do they do in the time of testing? So these are people that genuinely get saved at an altar, that genuinely get saved at a, a Zoom crusade, that genuinely get saved in a provincial crusade that genuinely get saved at a go-truck crusade. They genuinely get saved. But because they have no root within themselves, they quickly fall away. Everybody say quickly. Now, let's begin to break this down a little bit. Kaya, we can understand these hearts, and we can understand how to retain a new believer. Everybody say, retain 
a new believer. And let me say from the very start, this is why we need to follow them up right away. Everybody say, quickly now. Because the, the time of testing comes very quickly. And you wait one week, you wait two weeks, you wait three weeks, and it's too late. They've already fallen away. Beloved, when people are born again, there needs to be some very immediate, very quick follow-up within their lives to help these new believers put down roots. And that's the journey I want to take you on today. Now, let's begin to understand these people. They're called the rocky soil. Everybody say, rocky soil. Say it again. Now, literally, this type of soil is not soil that is full of rocks. It literally means there is a small amount of dirt on top, and then right under the dirt is solid rock. Everybody say, small layer of soft soil. Mark chapter 4, verse 5, New Living Translation. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. Now, that's a very good translation of the Greek there. Shallow soil with underlying rock. Now, those of you that have been with us to Israel, you know that this is probably the most common type of soil that we see in the land of Israel. With the exception of the beautiful plains going down to the Mediterranean Sea, so to speak, the, the breadbasket, like the Jezreel Valley where the Battle of Armageddon will be fought. That area is very deep soil and very fertile. But once you get out of that Jezreel Valley and start going up toward the mountains and going toward the Sea of Galilee and the River Jordan, going west across the land, no, going east across the land, very quickly... Wherever you are, whether it's in Galilee, whether it's in Jerusalem, whether it's down through the Jordan Valley, you'll find that there's just a thin layer of soil. And the next thing is solid rock. Everybody say, thin layer of soil. Say it again. Now, these rocky Christians are referring to Christians who have a very soft tender surface in their heart. But right below that tender surface of their heart is solid rock. Everybody say, hard hearts beneath a soft surface. Now, these people, they receive the gospel seed very quickly. They have a soft surface. But right below that soft surface, they have a heart that is like solid rock. Now, look at verse 13. It says they hear the word. Everybody say they hear it. Verse 13 again of Luke 8. They receive it. Verse 13 again. They receive it with joy. So they hear, receive, receive it with joy. And then in verse 13 it says they believe for a while. Everybody say for a while. Now, how do you argue with Jesus when he says this? He didn't say they believe and they're going to heaven. He said, no, no, they believe for a while. This is short-term Christianity. Everybody say short-term. And in the time of testing, fall away. What did they do in the time of testing? Say it again. 
Now, this is the same words that Paul uses in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12, where he said, take care, brothers. He's writing to believers. Take care, brothers, lest there be any among you with an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Leading you to fall away. Everybody say, fall away from the living God. So what Jesus has just described is people who come to a go truck crusade, they join you in a Zoom crusade, they come to a provincial crusade, they come with you to church and come to the altar for salvation. And right on the surface of their heart, they are so soft and they are so tender. But because below that very shallow surface of softness, their heart is so hard and so stony, very quickly they believe for a while and fall away. Everybody say, believe for a while and fall away. Now, they may still come to church. They may want to maintain their relationship with their new friends, but they fall away from the living God. They don't fall away from people. They fall away from God. Who do they fall away from? Say it again. Now, now many of these people, they, they want to keep the human relationships that they have just found because, forgive me, Christians are nice people to be around. And everybody said? So they may want to maintain those relationships, but they have fallen away from the living God. It is a temporary salvation. It is a what? Say it again. Now, Jesus describes this temporariness in other ways. In Matthew 13, verse 6, it says, they withered away. In, Matthew, in Luke 8, verse 6, they withered away. In Mark 4, verse 17, immediately they fall away. Now, what does the immediately refer to? Since they have no root, Mark 4, verse 17, they endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. As soon as the satanic counterattack occurs, the falling away is immediate. Everybody say immediate. They have no spiritual endurance at all. Mark 4, verse 6, New Living Translation, since it did not have deep roots, it died. Literally, the gospel seed died within them. The change stops in their life. Everybody say, all change stops in their life. Everything the gospel was changing in their life stops. The gospel seed, and remember what die means. It means separation. It means what? Death does not mean the end of something. It means separation. Remember, people are born again because the Word of God has united with their life. Now, because of trouble and persecution, the Word is separated. Everybody say, separated. Are you getting this? Now, take it a step deeper. We are confronted, therefore, with the fact that in the harvest field, there is always going to be a counterattack. And we need to understand the power of Satan's counterattack in a new believer's life, especially these rocky heart Christians. Now, in Luke 8, verse 13, it's called a time of testing. A time of what? This is not God testing. 
This is Satan testing. Everybody say, Satan's test. He starts pushing on these people. Is this really going to be real in your life? Now, that time of testing is likened to being in the sun on a hot day. Matthew 13, 6 says, when the sun rose. Mark 4, verse 6, when the sun rose. Matthew 13, verse 6 says, they were scorched. They were what? Now, think with me. Those of you who have been with us to Israel, we always take you in February, first week of March. I know it's cold, but it is also the most beautiful time in Israel because there's been so much rain. And there's beautiful grass growing on all the hills and little red flowers coming out of the sides of the hills. It it is at its greenest and most beautiful when we go there. Sister Bev and I went one year for our anniversary. Was it our 40th? Our 40th anniversary. And we went in August. It's like 50 degrees. Everywhere you look, everything is dead. All the grass on the hills that we're used to seeing is dead. There are no beautiful little red flowers coming up out of the hills. It's all dead. Everything is brown and dry and dead. Kind of like Manila down near the end of hot season. And what does all the grass look like? It's dead. It's been scorched by the sun. Now, Satan brings things in people's lives that literally scorch their lives. Everybody say, scorch their lives. Now, what are these two things? The first one is trouble. The Greek word, thiplis, means tribulation, affliction, distress, oppression, or trouble. The second one is persecution. Matthew 13, verse 21. But endures only for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Trouble comes on account of the gospel. Persecution comes on account of the gospel. Everybody say, direct result from salvation. Now, you have to understand, this is Satan's counterattack. There are so many people that create the image in people's minds that when you're first born again, everything is beautiful. Everything is wonderful. Everything is great. It's like walking in a rose garden. No, it's not. It's like walking through a war zone. Think back to when you first got born again. What kind of trouble came into your life? Think about when the average person gets born again. The persecution from the family. The persecution from the relatives. The persecution from the friends that comes against them. I mean, I I remember when I first got born again. I was not a very nice person. And when I got born again, I was so happy to be saved. And my friend said, Dave, you're no fun anymore. You know, you you don't want to go to the honky-tonks with us anymore. You know, Dave, you don't want to go do this and you don't... No, I don't do those things anymore. I'm going to go to church on Wednesday night. Want to join me? And I lived in a dorm. 
And guys really wanted to make sure that I knew that they didn't like me anymore because I'm a different person. I'm a Bible thumper is what they used to call us. I'm a Bible thumper now. Lots of trouble came into my life because of the Word. Persecution came into my life. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It doesn't matter. Come on. And it's not because you did something wrong. It's because the gospel came into your life. Trouble comes. What comes? Persecution comes into these lives. And we have to understand that when this trouble comes and when this persecution comes on account of the word, there is a direct effect in these people's lives. I remember when I first got born again. All of a sudden, the university had a financial crisis. My scholarship was gone. I thought, well, that's all right. I know how to work. And I already had a job at the Texaco station. The, I pumped gas and did, did the evening mechanic work. And, you know, so I would work from 3 o'clock till 11 o'clock every night in university. Fine, I can get by. But trouble came. Everybody said, trouble comes. And I can remember as a baby Christian with all the trouble that came and all the persecution that came, I can remember thinking, man, is this really worth it? I was happier before I got saved. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It doesn't matter. Come on. You remember those days. Now, when that trouble comes, when this time of testing comes, many of these believers immediately fall away. So this is why you keep hearing me talk about follow-up quickly. Everybody say, follow-up quickly. You sit down with a new believer, and you get rid of the, the false impressions. You get rid of the, the, the ideas that everything is going to be so simple now, and everything is going to be so wonderful now, and now that God is in your life, everybody's going to love you, and everything's going to be wonderful. It's not reality. It's, it's a false concept that people try to present that's just not real. Now, if we're going to help these people... We have to understand this is a reality in their life. They probably never had so much trouble in their life. They probably never had family and friends speak so strongly against them in their life. And, you know, they look around at it and go, man, this this just isn't worth it. And they fall away. They prioritize human relationships. They prioritize human conditions over a walk with God. But bottom line, here's the problem. Luke 8, verse 6. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. It had no what? It had no what? Why does the grass dry up in all of the fields around Metro Manila during hot season? It has no moisture. Why does the gospel seed get separated from the heart of a rocky ground Christian when the sun of trouble comes, when the sun of persecution comes and begins to beat upon their life? They have no moisture. So straight up talk. The trouble in their life dries up the moving of the Holy Spirit in their life. Not because it can control the work of the Holy Spirit, but because their focus is taken off. Everybody say, change focus. 
They're focused on their troubles, not focused on the Holy Spirit. The persecution coming, again, dries up the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. Not because the persecution is stronger than the moving of the Spirit, but because it changes their focus. It changes their what? It changes their what? Now, what can we do? And I'm just trying to teach you folks because we've got a lot of people to lead to Christ. I can't hear you. When we lead these people to Christ, we have to recognize what can go on in their life. And so how do we deal with them? How do we help them? We help them put down roots. Matthew 13, 6. And since it had no root, it withered away. There's a reason for the lack of moisture. There's a reason for the lack of the Holy Spirit in their life. They have no root. They have no what? Mark 4, verse 6 says it again. And since it had no root. Mark 4, verse 17 says it again. And they had no root in themselves. And you say, well, Pastor, how, how can they put down roots when they just have a shallow softness of heart and everything below that surface is hard? Folks, life always breaks rock. Think with me. We walk the streets of Manila. How many times have you been walking down a street and you see the roots of a tree have broken up the sidewalk? How many of you know what I'm talking about? The roots break up rock. How do you think soil gets deeper? The roots of plants and the roots of trees break up the rock. How do we get those hearts softer when in the middle of everything that's going on in their life, that the time of testing has come and trouble and persecution is coming and, and, and their, their roots are so shallow. How, 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 do we, how do we get their roots through those rocks? We help them put down the roots. The roots will break up the hardness of their heart. Everybody say, the roots will break up the hardness of their hearts. So, how do we do this? Well, let's talk about where people need to put down roots. First of all, they need to put down roots in the harvest field God has assigned them. Matthew 13, verse 38 said, The the field is the world, and the good seed that is planted is the sons of the kingdom. Many believers, when they first get saved, immediately they want to change all of the aspects of their life. And it is true, they should change things, but it is also true, they need to learn to bloom where they have been planted. Everybody say, bloom where planted. Say it again, please. As we pick back up our Corinthian studies in a few weeks, one of the first studies I'm going to teach you is that Paul says every man should remain in the condition that God found him. Because many of the Corinthians, as soon as they got born again, they wanted to change their social status. They wanted to change where they lived. They wanted to change what groups they began to relate with. And you don't understand. God planted you in that neighborhood to have a harvest for the kingdom. I didn't hear you. God planted you in that office to have a harvest for the kingdom. God planted you in that family to have a harvest for the kingdom. 
And sometimes we have to sit down with a baby believer and say, now listen, you need to understand, you need to be like the Apostle Paul. As soon as Paul got saved, he went to the synagogue and began to preach that Jesus is the Christ. Right now, you need to preach who Jesus is right where you are. Everybody say, right where I am. Say it again. Oh, but I don't want to be around those people anymore. I want to change my major. I want to go to Bible school. No, no, right now, you just preach who Jesus is right now where you are in university. Everybody say, preach Jesus. Now, there's something that happens. When you allow the Holy Spirit to use you to communicate the gospel, to minister the name of Jesus to people right where you are in the harvest field that God has planted you, there is going to be a flow of the Spirit into your life. I didn't hear you. And the roots are going to start going down. And the roots are going to start breaking up the hardness of your heart as you see old friends and old classmates and old office mates accept the Messiah and get born again. You're going to see change happening in your life as your roots go down and the Holy Spirit flows in with you. And you're not going to be a person who has no moisture. Another place that God wants to plant you is into the Holy Spirit. Jeremiah 17 verse 8 says, he's like a tree planted by the water. Psalms 1, 3, like a tree planted by streams of water. Ezekiel 17 verse 5, he took the seed of the land and planted it in fertile soil. And he placed it beside abundant waters. We always know that these abundant waters, these rivers in the Bible refer to the Holy Spirit. Everybody say the Holy Spirit. This is why it's so important. As soon as you get a person saved... Begin to pray for them to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in other tongues. Are we still here? Don't just say, well, they're saved now. Leave it alone. No, no. They died for lack of moisture. They fell away for lack of moisture. They need the moving of the Holy Spirit. So plant it in your family. Plant it in your office. Plant it in your school. Planted in your neighborhood, and as you begin to minister, the Holy Spirit anoints you and flows to your life, and those roots begin to go deep, and all of a sudden the rocky ground is broken up. As you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you begin to put down roots. Everybody say, put down roots. You begin to grow your life toward the Holy Spirit, and there's a flow of the, the Spirit that comes to your life, and there is no lack of moisture. Halingbawa. When I was a boy, I grew up in Alabama. And Alabama's kind of like Manila. Mobile's kind of like Manila. When it gets hot, and usually it's August that is the worst month, it, they call it the dog days of summer. And everything goes brown. And I can remember passing by this one person's yard one day, and there, the grass was all brown except for this one little round thing about this big around where the grass was green and growing. Well, I knew this person. So I said, why do you have one little circle space of grass growing in your whole yard? Now, we're talking about two hectares, two hectares of grass. I know that yard. I used to mow that yard and make money mowing the grass for them. I said, why do you only have this little area of grass growing? And he said, well, he said, I have a broken water pipe over there. 
And he said, the water just keeps flowing. Later on this year, I'll dig that all up and put in some new water pipes. and say, Pastor, maha, no, because it was all deep well stuff. So he just said, it's not a big deal. So the water flowed there. And because the water was there, the grass grew. And the grass reached down to the water. Everybody say, reached down to the water. Doesn't matter how much trouble is going on. Doesn't matter how much persecution is going on. If the people will put down roots into the Holy Spirit and begin to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues every day, singing in the Holy Ghost every day, it doesn't matter how hot the sun gets, how hot the trouble and persecution gets, they will remain saved in Jesus' name. Thirdly, we have to help them put down roots into Jesus. Colossians chapter 2 verse 7, rooted and built up in Him. Now, now, beloved, what you find in a lot of baby Christians is everybody's working on attaching that baby Christian to people. I'm sorry, that is not what you need roots into. You need roots into Jesus. I didn't hear you. I remember sitting down with a group of preachers one time and there was a popular thing going around that if you want people to stay saved, you had to get them connected to at least 10 to 12 Christian relationships, and those Christian relationships will, will keep them saved. I said, no, they'll just enjoy being with each other. The number one thing we have to do is get people rooted in Jesus. Everybody say, rooted in Jesus. The next one, put down roots in God's house. Psalms 92 verse 13. They are planted in the house of the Lord, and they flourish in the courts of our God. Once you get these people saved, don't just say, okay, I'm done. You need to talk to them and say, now listen, you need to be in God's house. You need to start putting down roots. Everybody say, put down roots. You need to put down roots in God's house. This needs to be a place that you belong. Everybody say, God's house. Now look at what we've done so far. We've taught the people how to put down roots into the harvest field around their life. And there'll be a flow of the Holy Spirit as God uses them. We've taught them to put down roots into the Holy Spirit so there'll be a flow of the Holy Spirit in their life. We've taught them to put down roots in Jesus. We've taught them to put down roots in God's house. And there's one last one. You need to teach them to put down roots in the promises of God for their lives. Jeremiah 32 verse 11. I will rejoice in doing them good, and I will plant them in this land in faithfulness. Everybody say, planted in the land. The land always refers to the promise that God had for Israel. Now, you need to talk to these new believers. Okay, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need to really begin to develop a personal relationship with Jesus and put down your roots in Jesus. You need to be planted in God's house. You're going to flourish in God's house. You're not going to flourish in Divisoria. You're going to flourish in God's house. You're not going to flourish in Mall of Asia. You're going to flourish in God's house. I didn't hear you. You need to stop trying to think about you want to disengage from everything from where you grew up, and you need to understand God's planted you there, preach the gospel, share with people just like the Apostle Paul did, and the Holy Spirit will flow, and there'll be a, a beautiful flow of the Spirit to your life. But you also have to teach people God has promises for your life. They can't stay focused on the trouble. They can't stay focused on the persecution. 
You have to teach people God has promises for you. Everybody say, God has promises for you. And you need to show them that God will plant you in promises. Promises that He makes to provide for you. Promises to give you hope and a future. Promises of healing. Promises of a glorious future. Promises of a family ahead. You need to begin to talk to them about the promises of God for their lives. And I remember as a baby Christian, in fact, I still have it. My grandma had a little box on her table, just a little box, and it had little cards in it, and it was called Pocket Promises. Have any of you ever seen Pocket Promises? The old timers used to have them. But my grandma had her little box of Pocket Promises. And every morning, grandma would pull out one of those promises and begin to meditate on those promises. And every day, because every day after school, I would go and see grandma and grandpa. After I got saved, I was off at college, but as soon as I came home for summer holidays, every day, every day, seven days a week, I was at grandma and grandpa's house for at least 45 minutes to an hour. And grandma would pull out her pocket promises. That's why I still have them to this day. When grandma died, I got them. And every day, grandma would say, Davy, let me talk to you about this promise. Davy, let me talk to you. And grandma began to point me to the promises of God for my life. I got planted in the promises. Now, it, it's amazing what begins to happen. I mean, you know, I, I can remember that summer getting ready to go to Bible school. I'd been saved about four months, five months. And all of a sudden, I wrecked my car. I had three jobs that summer because Bible school, there's no scholarships. So I had three jobs that summer. I was working like 18, 20 hours a day. I wrecked my car. I couldn't, I had to drop one of the jobs because I couldn't get over to it. I mean, everything went wrong that could possibly go wrong. I got sick, passed out at work. You, you name it, it all went wrong. But Grandma kept saying, Davy, remember his promises. He will provide. Davy, remember the promise that we read. By his stripes you have been healed. It kept me growing roots. Are you understanding what I'm talking about? It's hard to make this stuff complicated because there's nothing complicated about helping a new believer with a stony heart stay saved. You help them put down roots and draw from the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, did you learn something today? I want you to stand with me, please. We do not believe in leading people to Christ and forgetting about them. We believe that we lead people to Christ and we help them put down roots in Jesus' name. Everybody say, get them born again and put down roots. Now, if you're here this afternoon and you're a new believer, I just talked about a lot of the problems you're facing. You've had challenges. I talked with a people, a person about a month ago, they'd gotten born again. <laughs> they lost their job. They can't pay their bills. 
they had a car accident, and either the mother or the father went into the hospital with COVID. In just a period of weeks after they got saved. And they said, I don't understand why all of this is happening. How can I come to know Jesus and all of these bad things happen to me? And I took them to this parable. And I told them how I came to Grandpa's house after I wiped out my Toyota Celica GT. And said, Grandpa, I'm born again, following the call to the ministry, and everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. It's not fair. What's wrong, Grandpa? And he said, David, go into the bedroom and pray. <laughs> I said, I can't tell you to go to the bedroom and pray, but I can tell you this. You need to be rooted in the Holy Spirit. You need to be rooted in Christ. You need to get in church every week in Jesus' name. You need to begin to share the gospel in the harvest field of your life. And I just walked her through this. Now, beloved, if you're one of those people going through hard times right now, if the sun is scorching your Christian life, then please forgive me. The answer is not to walk away from Jesus. The answer is to put down roots in Jesus. Are we still here? Would you take your communion emblems, please? Now, all of our leaders, I've just taught you your primary involvement in a new believer's life. Everybody say, my involvement. Your job is not to get them to put down roots in you. Your job is not to get them attached to you. Your job is to focus their life. Focus their life on sharing the gospel in their environment. Focus their life on the Holy Spirit, getting them baptized in the Holy Spirit. Focus their life on Jesus, having devotions every morning, reading their Bible and praying. Focus their life on God's house. Focus their life on the promises that He has for them. Put down roots in these things. Everybody say, put down roots in these things. Very simple. But if we will help, even a stony ground Christian is going to make it. They're not going to fall away. They're not going to wither up. We have to help them put down roots. Amen? Ulitanatan, this bread represents his body. He hung on a tree for me to take all the curse take all the punishment of all my sins. He who had no sin became sin for me so that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I remember what my Savior did for me. Let us partake of the bread together. Ulitanat in this cup.
represents his blood that washed away all my sin and all my shame. I am clean without guilt by the blood of Jesus. I remember what he has done for me. Let us partake of the cup together. Now, I'm teaching this material to the entire congregation and not just the leaders for a reason. In the last two years, you have led 138,000 people to Christ. Can you give the Lord a big clap offering? In the middle of lockdown, in the middle of lockdown, and you've done it because you took an interest in individuals. These weren't big-scale things that were done. These were a lot of hard work, little things, little Zoom meetings done. Now, beloved, please, you, you've spent all that time. Please go back to these people and work with them in Jesus' name. Help them put down roots. I didn't hear you.